Hello, it's Ian from Scholar Green and welcome to the Potters Podcast. Still, COVID-19 is causing major problems across the world basically now as cases are rising, deaths are rising. So please stay safe, stay indoors and go from what the government are telling you. Because of course now Boris and quite a few of the cabinet members have now got coronavirus as well. Um, But the show keeps going on as they say. We're going to keep going and go through it. Um, There's going to be a meeting very soon to discuss and talk about how the season is going to finish. We don't know at this moment in time how it's going to affect contracts how we're going to get as refunds if, if the season doesn't ever kick back in so I think it's one of them kind of situations but right, we've got another guest it's another guest show today and it's Rob from Tunstall and as me Ian from Scholar Green I thought it'd be a good time to interview him he did a great show the other day on the YYY file um, and I think he'll be an interesting guest um, I'm trying to bring guests in and we're starting to come thick and fast now to try to keep you entertained while COVID-19 is destroying everything at the moment so like I say, stay indoors sit back and enjoy so, hello Rob from Tunstall how are hey, you? Mate, you all right? I'm alright mate first question though, very serious and important one have you got your okay, toilet roll? have I got what? have I got your toilet roll? Just about. I think I had the last one from the shop in Tunstall yesterday. Oof. They'll like, they tell you what it's like, eh? like gold at the moment, toilet roll. Yeah, yeah. I might sell it off, you know, like I bought it for, uh, I think it was like a pound or something for this uh, pack of bog roll. A pound of shit. I might sell it off, yeah. <laughs> I've, seen it on, I've seen it online being done. <laughs> Sanitizer, yeah, yeah. 30 quid. Yeah, I know. it's getting crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it is getting mental at the moment. Well, anyway, so we'll start it now. So, uh, basically, uh, how did you start becoming a Stoke fan? Where did it all begin? Um, early noughties, really. Um, I used to be a big wrestling fan. Um, oh, and when my mum, mum got rid of Sky, I, I was absolutely obsessed with wrestling. Um, I needed something to, to fill that void. Um, I lot my mates at school playing football manager. Um, my sister recently um, met a guy and he was a massive Stoke fan and he started taking me down to to the games really and he just sort of um, spiralled uh, you know from there right so basically let's go out let's go into wrestling so how much of a big wrestling fan were you oh massive like through the 90s and the early 90s like huge fan of Hulk Hogan loved him um, and obviously when he become sort of when he was a bit too old for it um, um, The Rock but then, then Hulk Hogan came back into it sort of sort of towards the end of me watching it but it was, it was quite it was getting on a bit then so it was a bit strange um, watching this elderly pensioner I know yeah 60 year old rolling round in pants yeah <laughs> it's, it's not right yeah. is it? uh, I bet um, you won't remember my favourite uh, Raven Raven oh yeah he wore like uh, Denon shorts didn't he and yeah yeah he was he was my yeah, favourite yeah. when I grew up yeah because I used to love me wrestling I did when I was young he used to like Rhino yeah, as well that. Hey, I'm sorry. Uh, I used to like quite a few wrestlers back in the day, and one of mine was, uh, like I say, Raven, and he used to like Rhino as well, if you remember. Oh, Rhino, yeah, I like Rhino. He used to be CW, wasn't he? Yeah, and he moved into the, yeah, he'd become like an hardcore champion. He used to like the hardcore stuff I did back then. Oh, yeah, I, I, I was proper like, you know, WWF slash WWE, but I loved that, that storyline. And the takeover where WCW and ECW invaded. Yeah, yeah, um, it was good show, yeah. I was fantastic, but a, a lot of people hated it, but I loved it. Yeah, I used to love it when I grew up. I mean, until I was about probably 12, 13, when we, we built a ring once <laughs> and we used to yeah. actually do wrestling on each other because we loved it that much. But now I'm, sound, oh, same, I'm, yeah. I'm sounding like one of them. Uh, I'm sounding a bit uh, 
anti-football at the moment but you know I used to I did used to <laughs> like it myself so you used to yeah, so well, where did how did you start it was your first ever game of Stoke game though the first ever game of Stoke game yeah no, no, no when I was younger um, before I liked football that is um I went to Brownhill High School in Tunstall, yeah. um, and if you, if you got good attendance, you got given like three Paul Bell tickets. Oh, <laughs> my first, my, my first. I was a, I was a football fan. Um, you know, I used to go down the Vale um, for free, like these sort of tickets after school. And me and me and me used to just go down there looking for like girls to chat up, um, which we failed, you know, failed miserably at. Um, but you know. It, I didn't really like it to be honest. I didn't really like football when I was when I was young. So I mean, I mean, yeah. if, if you're going to be given a reward for good attendance, you aren't going to give somebody a veil tickets, are you? Really? No, it's like a punishment, isn't it? Yeah, it's like it's like well done for that, but we're going to punish you now. You've got to go down there. See, you know, watching Bogey and all them lot down there. Yeah, I can't remember anything. I remember a play called Carragher. I mean. I think to I thought it was, thought it was um, another local, Jamie Carragher. You no, know, <laughs> other than that, I don't know. I, I knew the names. Um, I think it was Liam at the I, time. Yeah. I just remember. I just remember being cold and miserable, and people just around me were just that miserable. I thought any reason I sort of I didn't go into it. Just, just like the atmosphere was quite quite negative at the time. I didn't know like Port Vale were going through a sort of bad run. Uh, well, yeah, I can see early notice it was probably the the fall of Vale at that time. To be honest, because they, they were, I think they were in the same division or one above. I'm not too sure at that time. I think it's more late nineties, you know, that when I went. Yeah. Oh, so they were still a decent it. team then at the time. Pardon? Was, so Vale was still in the higher leagues at that time. Really? Yeah, they, they were. I think they were in league. I think they were second division or a bit higher. I think at that time. Yeah. They, were, they were a decent well, side, but I don't like I don't yeah. like saying that publicly, to be honest. Yeah, they have, they have had a small sort of point in their history where they were sort of maybe slightly Stoke. Mm. <laughs> so, so, so what did what made you change allegiance to Stoke? Well, become a proper oh, Stoke no, fan. No, you know, I, I, I never was a real fan. I used to just go down to the games. Yeah. Um, but I get like going back to what I said before. I was getting into football manager. Um, well, I went to fantasy football at first. And my mates at school were like telling them which players to pick. Then they said, I'll play on football managers, I'll fantasy football, but better. And again, they'd tell me what teams to pick, what players to pick. And um, I think my first ever save, actually, um, I, I picked Stoke as well. I need to pick. Everyone like like football, it needs to be a local side. I mean, Stoke were sort of like quite high up then. They were in the, were in the second. No, no, they weren't. They weren't tier three. It was the year um, just before they got promoted to tier two. Um, and I just like to look at all the players because they had quite a few um, foreign players there and like, quite a few Atlantics and so yeah I picked Stoke and um, my sister's boyfriend was a ma- massive Stoke fan and he, I told her about this game so he started taking me down Stoke um, and yeah he just sort of grew um, I remember my first game I think um, I, need, I need to research this but I think Lewis Neal scored because um, I remember going home and uh, building my team around him, and yeah, my team sort of failed miserably. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and like, I was telling people, they didn't lose Neil, nobody knew who they were, who he was like. And for down the game, he spoke about like, sort of like lose Neil, and I remember these sort of old chaps sitting around me, and they were saying, like, oh, he's going to be this big star, he's going to be in the Premier League. Um, yeah, just remember, like, yeah, my early memories of Stoke was so, um, Lewis Neil. 
So, so when you grew up, did you think Lucas Neal was the player that inspired you to pretty much be a Stoke fan? Then, do you reckon he was the player? No, no. I, I like even though I was going to say, well, I wouldn't have considered myself a fan. It was more. Um, I suppose it was more of a social event with me, with my sister's boyfriend. Um, it wasn't until um, uh, Ali Akinbai scored that header to keep us up that I decided then I was like a Stoke fan. Oh, so you miss players like James O'Connor and players like Peter Fawn and Graham Kavanagh then? Again, like, because my memory's quite sort of blurry with, with them. The only players I can remember from back then was, um, well, obviously, Peter Hoekstra. I love Peter, Peter Hoekstra. Oh, I um, did. Brilliant player, Peter Hoekstra. I tell you, like, watching matches at Ain, like, watching that Premier League, and I used to love Paolo Di Canio. And, I, like, I, I, I automatically love Hoekstra because he just reminded me of Di Canio. He was just like... He was on another level. Like when when we had, when we signed him, um, it was it was just it was just crazy. You know, the Dutch international coming to Little Stoke and playing for us. It, you know, so probably like in my history being a, being a fan, he's probably our you know marquee signing. I'll, I'll be honest. I think Paolo Di Canio wishes he was Peter Hoekstra. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's be honest. Um, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. he, he was rage of injuries all the way through his career, but without yeah. question of a doubt, he, I, in my YYY team, because you've been on that recently, haven't you? I put Hoekstra yeah. in that team because even with all the better players we've seen in the top flight, I have never seen a player as technically gifted as Hoekstra since I've been going no, no. all the way through. An incredible player, Peter Hoekstra was. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? He, he had all but then again, it's not being a state fan because he wouldn't have signed for Stoke would he like, oh, you know God, what I mean yeah. if he his potential he, he, he would have been out of like a you know massive team he would have gone Real Madrid or Barcelona if he, he hadn't had those yeah. injury problems he was a world class player uh, yeah yeah so you, you would say he was your first the player that made you properly get into Stoke then was Peter Hoopstra yeah it was a totally like, I was going back to Adi Akinbae that moment when he scored that head was the moment I'm like yeah I'm a Stoke fan well the first player I fell in love with was Peter Hoopstra yeah don't blame you fantastic player right so yeah. uh, so yeah, I mean I've, I've known now that you've did a film not long ago didn't you a, a film that's on YouTube about the pottery yeah I did a film called Oat Cakes about the people of the potteries and um, it's like character pieces just with all these sort of interesting local characters and some sort of sort of locally famous people like there's plenty of footballers on there um, so yeah just wanted to when I, when I did film at uni and when I, when I finished uni um, I just wanted to make a you know I wanted to make a film about the area so we did we made, made just did it <laughs> uh, so how did it go so who, what famous faces did you get on it um, Surprise, surprise, Slash isn't easy to get hold of as being a mega star he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he knows about the film. His uncle spoke to him about it. Uh, it would have been nice to get a little, I don't know, maybe still try to get a little tweet from him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, um, I, think, I, give, I, I give his uncle a copy of the film on DVD, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping he has watched it. That would be nice. You never know, he might have done it. I mean, I've got to be honest, I've got to watch it myself. I, I didn't know about it till I watched it. To listen to the YYY files, I
Um, yeah. So, we're doing things like that. Was there anybody stuck in your mind from when you did a, a film like that? Someone who, who insp- like, not inspired you, but was like the most normal person, but had the most interesting story, if you know what I mean. Uh, well, Peggy, Peggy, I was born in Crackley, and Peggy's from Chesterton, and just having a chat with him about like Chesterton was was quite weird because he played for England and Everton, and he's a chessy lad. Do you know what I mean? He was, he was quite, he was quite, quite um, eerie. Um, <laughs> and he was so like, 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 not just him, but all of them sort of seventy-two lads. They're just so all, all of them are really down to earth and humble. Like, you can, they're just making you feel so comfortable and. Um, obviously they were, they were sort of superstars in the day and they all got big names like Greenhoff but like talking to him he's just like talking to you know some of uh, the at the bus stop it was, it was quite nice well I've heard you met Paddy McGuinness as well oh yeah 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 well, we, we managed um, through the help of Angela Smith we managed to get some filming at, uh, at a charity game because we wanted to get Jonathan Wilkes on it and we didn't know this at the time but we saw Paddy, Paddy McGuinness was there so we we just like interviewed him and asked him like okay because <laughs> he's obviously must have tried him because we've got a couple of mates from Stoke Robbie and Jonathan so yeah yeah that was quite that was quite cool yeah I mean apparently McGinnis is, is he actually as funny in real life or is he you know behind uh, the camera not as funny he was a quite standoffish to be honest um, but once we once once we because he didn't obviously know what we were doing because the, the equipment we had wasn't that big. But once he once we put the camera on, he just suddenly be, you know went into went into his character. It was quite weird. Strange, isn't it? That with actors and things like that, where you like funny men where because I met uh, Michael McIntyre a while ago on on the train when I was coming back from where was it now? I think it was Oldham in the cup. I think it was. Yeah. So, 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 we played somebody anyway, and we, I saw him and just went up to him, and he, you expect him like, to be bouncing about, like you know, when he's on his on stage where yeah. his hair's flying everywhere and he's bouncing about. And I said, I said, hey, up, mate. He was like, hello. It's like, oh, you're a bit, oh. Do we say never meet your heroes kind of thing? Instant yeah, take yeah. there because he, he seemed miserable. There was no, there was nothing from him. It's quite surprising. Yeah. Phil Taylor was a bit like that. We, we interviewed Phil Taylor. And um, he, just, he just came across quite edgy and moody. Once you put the camera on, his personality came out and he was having a bit of a laugh with us. But even by the end of that interview, he was getting irritated and he, he actually just stormed off because <laughs> he was getting so, so you know, peed off with us. <laughs> oh, quite funny. Yeah, I think sometimes you have to be good to the, it's good to the people who are from the local area and stuff because people do have long memories, don't they? Especially people of Stoke. You know, yeah, we're, yeah. we're a very proud area, really. I mean, we, yeah, we don't yeah. mind slagging the area off between each other, but when somebody outside the area does it, it, it causes causes a bit of problems, doesn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so basically, we, uh, I wanted to talk about your time at the Bet365 and how do you keep it going? What what makes you keep coming back to watch Stoke? Because at times, it is testing. Um, I think now I'm sort of settling life, I've got a job I love, I've got my kids. Like for me, Saturday is it's, it's the end of the week, it's what I look forward to from a Monday. Um, going, it's part of my routine, my life routine. Um, so yeah, every Saturday I'll, I'll, I'll get the coach down and I'll um, meet up with my mate Toby and um, we'll watch Stoke try and win. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just, it's quite testing at the moment because we've not had football for so long. 
I know it's, at the moment it is quite horrible. I mean, how are you passing the time at the moment with no football? To be honest with you, um, in the day, I'm, I am, I'm, I'm homeschooling my kids, so that's like, that's a new experience. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm playing loads of football manager, which is ace. The problem is with um, football manager though, it's very addictive, it's hard to stop, because you keep thinking, oh, I'll, I'll get to the next window, then I'll stop. But then you get to the window, then yeah, you're, yeah. you're too excited because you can spend money. So, and then you want, and then when the window's over, you're like, "Well, I want to see him play." And then you wake up, it's yeah, yeah. six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I spent, I spent quite a few hours on it today. But in my head, it's like, "Like, well, it's Sunday. I can, I can spend quite a bit of time on it." But yeah, he does, he does sort of. I, I'm, I'm quite um, careful now. When I was a kid, um, I really used to, you know, stay up half an hour on it. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> what I mean. You, 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 in you chat now. You well, started. Well, there's a there's a mode called like on holiday, go on holiday, and yeah, it's just a very sick flavor. I remember getting up when I was a kid, sorting all my tactics out, then going on holiday, then going to school, then coming back from school and see how my system's done in like three years down the line. Oh, uh, when you could skip well, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was called yeah. going, going on holiday, so you, you do you do your tactics, so you, you pick like maybe your, your sort of favorite eleven. And, you can, and then you go on holiday and your assistant manager takes over then. So, you know, coming back from school, you'd be relegated twice. <laughs> <laughs> Been sacked. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean with that with football manager. You used to be very addictive. I had to stop playing on it when I started working shifts because I was just looking, you know, I'd get home at like two o'clock, look at the clock and it was like two in the morning. And I think, bloody hell, yeah. I've only been on it 10 minutes, but I haven't been on it 12 hours. No. I don't, I don't, I've not played it as much over the last couple of years because of that, it, it, it is really, even for, you know, 32 years, it's really addictive. But because of, like, with coronavirus, and now I have wiped it out and I've probably been on it every day. Not not excessively, like maybe an hour a day, but today I have, I have like, um, but we don't know how long we're going to have this lockdown for, so I might as well get a little football and manage a career on the go. Yeah, but are you playing Stoke though? That's the most important thing. So, uh, like, speaking of football now, like Stoke at the moment, we, we know how it's been bad on the pitch. Uh, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on out, off the pitch, about the club as a whole off the pitch? What do you think is, do you think you're happy with it or you're not happy with it? What What do you think? I got, I got quite upset about the club, but, um, like, I, I felt like treating like skulls out and stuff like that. But to be honest with you, I don't, yeah, I don't really know a lot about... Really, I don't think a lot of us know enough about what goes on sort of behind closed doors, but something hasn't been right for the last couple of seasons because, well, last, last you know, three or four, just because it's, it's just this demise and it just felt like up until Michael O'Neill, no matter what players we've got and what manager, we're just, we're just thinking. So I've always had the sort of impression until recently there's some sort of like rot or, you know, poison, poisonous sort of, um, you know, ongoing within the club. When you hear about like, players refusing to train and, you know, stuff like that, um, it's just, you, you know. And have, you, have you seen the Sunderland documentary on Netflix? Uh, yeah, I have, yeah, it's good, yeah. I just felt like Stoke was sort of situated in Stoke, was very parallel to that, and that was quite a rotten club, or still is, and you know, sort of like, well, back a couple of years, I have sort of been feeling 
you know, the ultimate worst of being maybe maybe ended up in League One. <laughs> uh, but I feel I, I, I'm, I'm hoping now I'm feeling under Michael O'Neill. He has sort of um, he has um, he is managing you know to keep it afloat. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest problem for me is off the pitch is that I've, I've said it quite publicly on this on this podcast many a time that for me I think that Skulls needs to go I think the coach family need to step back and bring a chairman in I've said it for a long time because I look at like successful clubs like Wolves like uh, Brighton to an extent Leeds have even started to employ the same tactic because I think it yeah. just brings people in who know what they're doing and I, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit fan of the coach because the they money into the club it's just not choosing the correct ways of spending it well the, like I'm I've got a love and hate relationship with the coach family I always have done they, I think that at times they don't do what's right for the club they do what's right for themselves and I think that Yes, like I say, they have pl- pl- flooded money into the club. There's no question about that. But because of their sort of selves, it's been badly wasted. Instead of yeah. stepping back and going, right, who can we bring in who, who will fix these problems? I mean, Peter Coates, of course, has done a great job and then s- and stood back and now John's kind of running the club. And the thing is, he was left a club that was ninth in the Premier League and now in, in pretty much, what, fourth bottom in the Championship? And that was really yeah. brought on by it by John Coates, really. And I think he's, he's, there was a meeting with the fans a couple of weeks ago, just before Corona really hit off and the football was stopped. And I put a question in, and it was put to John Coates, and he just instantly, without even thinking, without even breathing, just sort of dismissed it. Now we've got a way of running the clubs. Yeah, I've got a mistake. And I think to myself, but yeah, your mistakes have, have cost us Premiership football. Yeah, they've got it, it, uh, they've got the blinkers, haven't they? They haven't got like a plan. They're just, they're just, they are throwing that money. I think we're in early. They're, like, they're complaining that um, about FFP because they're willing to still throw loads of money at the problem. And it's, it's not like, like we, we, you know, I think we've had an ample amount of money thrown into this team. It's just there's no like plan. Well, it does it out with Saki managers left, right and centre and not really funded them. It's like, uh, for example, Ben Osborne, who we could have got from Nottingham Forest, who's now the left wing back of Sheffield United in the Premier League, a player that yeah. we could have got for £1 million more than James McLean. But instead of going for Osborne, they went for McLean because he's a £1 million cheaper. And it's like, well, yeah. Osborne was 23, McLean was 28 or 29, I think he was at the time. And you think... You need to start understanding this. One, this is my problem with it: is that we've got nobody up there who knows what they're doing because they aren't football yeah. men. Yeah, and I, and I think like I, like I've, I've liked all all the managers in recent past, like from even Mark Hughes in a sense because we got top nine finishes with him. Um, and I really think like in terms of Mark Hughes, um, Gary Rowett, and. Um, Nathan Jones, I think they've given him too much power in terms of transfers. Um, like, you know, Mark used wanting to sign him Bueller because he, he played well against us in a friendly. Um, Nathan Jones, he wanted to play this complex diamond system, but wanted to sign Toddy Ward, who's like 50 from Burnley. But, you know I, mean? but so I don't, I don't I, think they've got a lot of say, really. There's a head scout who gives, gives a list of players to 
Tony Scholes. Scholes will go, well, we can't afford him, can't afford him, can't afford him, he might be too much money, and then gives the list to Nathan Jones. That's what yeah. it seems like to me. And it, it, but that, even though, it, yes, he does get the pick of pick as the manager, he's not getting the whole pick. Uh, we don't know what sort of hand he was dealt with in terms of... Because to me, that's what, that's what um, uh, Nathan Jones' demise. Just because he wanted to play this complex system, and he didn't sign the players for it, he didn't sign my attacking win-backs, um, which were crucial for him when he was at Luton. Um, so you're suggesting that you know, he, he, he was maybe showing some left backs and maybe Ward was maybe the best choice that Nathan Jones had to choose from. Basically, that's what I think it is, yeah. Because he did say that in his interview before that I'm given a list of players and I pick the one that suits me off the list. Well, I'm sorry, yeah. if it, how bad are the rest of the list if Stephen Ward's been picked? That's that's the yeah. thing that's got to be looked at. I mean, I know he's got a bit of a downward beat here now, but... <laughs> What, uh, what what would you class as your favourite moment as, as a Stoke fan? Your favourite mo- uh, moments of all? Um, the year we got promoted, I started dating my missus who had been with now for well over 10 years. Um, I didn't go to the last game of that season when we beat... Didn't know we drew last game, we didn't walk. Um, but I, I took my missus on a date to a pub to watch it. Um, and I said to her, I still got promoted, I'll let you be my girlfriend. And obviously we got promoted. And I've been with her ever since. Maybe, maybe I should have sacked her off when we got relegated. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's been my that's my favourite moment, just because of um, like the emotion attached to it. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Uh, like I say, mine personally, my moment was the goal when James McLean got, got, the, got us back in the game against Cardiff. I think that's just, it's a moment. That was that was yeah. my favourite because I mean a lot a lot of people get it confused and go favourite ever game and it's like no not over yeah. ninety minutes it's one about like my favourite moments and that that was oh, mine. Wait. Oh, don't be talking my favourite moment then. Yeah. That was my favourite game because um, I confused I confused myself with the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favourite moment more than ever before for some reason was um, when Mark Muniesa scored against Burnley. Um, when, he, when he sort of ran the pitch from centre back and smashed the head from uh, Marco and out of it, sort of back. Because I absolutely love that player and I just wanted him to like, I really wanted him to, to succeed. I thought that's the moment when he's going to be our little pal and Maldini. Yeah, it was a shame for one, yes. Yeah, so he had he had, he had had bad legs, didn't he? He wasn't big enough to be a centre back, that was his problem. Yeah, yeah. But technically, probably, arguably, one of our greatest players in like, you know, modern history. Um, he's certainly, for me, he's certainly a bit of like, you know, Shakira and Boya and Altovich. Yeah, they aren't, they aren't even on my... Oh, sorry. Yeah, they aren't even on my list, to be honest, Shakira and Boyan, like modern players. No. <laughs> to be fair, Shakira and Boyan don't really make my list, to be honest. But um, they, are, they are great players, but it's just... For me, what I like in a player is more than anything, more than ability, really, is a character. Yeah, hard working graft, that's what I like. And just players have like an edge to them. I think that's why I like, going back to what I said earlier, that's why I like Decanio, he had an edge to him. And, you know, Peter Hoekstra had an edge to him. Well, Marco Anatovic definitely had an edge to him, there's no question about oh, that. Yeah, he's, my, he's probably my favourite modern player. Yeah, Marco Anatovic? Yeah. Good shot. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was so hateful when he went to West Ham, I was glad him off. Because he, he probably hurt me, but I know players ever hurt me like he's hurt me. 
Yeah. Uh, well, he, yeah, let's be honest, he was always a bit of a knob, wasn't he? And he, he, he was, I think with him, he, he always leaves as a knob, doesn't he? I think, he, I think from, yeah. if you look at his entire history as a player, he, he likes to leave in a cloud. He's, he's like he leaves oh, yeah. in a little issy fit and throws his jaw on the floor. He's, he's one of them type of blokes. Yeah. Going back, like, yeah, he's a bit of a dick and, like, taking back to, um, to like, the players that have, like, a lot of them are, you know, dicks. But not not, not, not in the sense of, like, a Berahini or an essay, just, like, complete, like, a little bit controversial. There's only a little bit controversial, but still give it 100% for the, for the club and the fans. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Fighting commitment. Right, then, so yeah. we'll, get into the, we'll get into the hard questions now. Right. Here we go. So, who is your favourite ever player? Doesn't mean the best, but the favourite, the one that you love the most. Oh, that's a good question. Um, oh my God, that's that's a really good question. Um, hmm. It's got to be Marco Inatovic. Um, just because, yeah, yeah. Like when he went to West Ham, like I was close to tears. <laughs> I know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, really, I mean, I'm not an emotional guy at all, but, but he was so good. Just like, people used to like, say he didn't work hard enough, but, you know, he did, he just, he just had a strop when he wasn't going his way. Um, so yeah, completely, completely good. Just like, technically amazing, just, just like, when he was, when he, when he was like, on form, he was just, he was just another, another level, a different class. He could have gone on to be, you know, left obviously so what would you class as your favourite moment of Arnie though the moment that you always think about when you're reminiscing about when you tell your kids oh Mark went out of it what's the moment you always go back to um, well, I've mentioned it a couple of times I mentioned it just to you on, on the wild that, wild that was but that Everton game not just the night of it just that team for me was that, that was the peak that was the peak of Mark Hughes that Everton game when we beat him 4-3 he had a bit of Everton game he had carried the had you know sexy football yeah, you've got a sexy yeah, football. Uh, yeah, some great goals and yeah, just that moment of him scoring that penalty. Mm, it's a good moment there. Well, I, I, I remember more than any memory of him. Well, he's sort of like, he's up there with, he's sort of my second favourite memory, you know, of modern times behind. I don't know why he's my favourite memory, Mark Meany has to score. It's such a weak, I think it's because like, I nearly, I lost my shit that much, I nearly died. It, I think it's about yeah. moments, I think sometimes like, Every person I've spoken to, and I think it's a really interesting one, do because I think the thing is with a moment is that it's it's just that explosion of passion and, and love for something. And it's like me, it was that goal for James O'Connor because I can remember minutes before he scored that goal, I said to my dad, "We're not going to go up. We're going to have another year in here because Cardiff." Because you've got to remember the whole story. Like Cardiff had got Kavanagh and phone from Stoke. I was devastated because yeah. Kavanagh was my hero, and then. 
all of a sudden this little Irish, this little ginger Irish fella that worked hard became an absolute hero for Stoke and, and yeah. he, he just he just took his chance so well and put us back in the game and it was just a moment of pure joy and it's, it's hard yeah. to put in a question, that's why I like the question and like hearing everybody's stories because everybody else's story is different and it, it really yeah. is an interesting question when you ask for the moment. Yeah, obviously that Harry Akinbae goal kept us up in, in the in the second tier. That's, that's a special moment. Just remember being in golf by loads of bodies. Yeah. Like I was still quite new to football, and I don't think I was. I don't think I, I didn't. I didn't up until that point. The games I went, I didn't see many goals, but that was absolutely carnage. It been compared to being in a mosh pit. A mosh pit. Was that crazy, crazy behind the goal. It was, you know, it's crazy. For me, I think it's because of the lad from Armenia when he scored that goal. But I just felt like it was never going to work for him when he scored that. Um, so, yeah. Right. <laughs> right, so he's a tough one that everyone seems to struggle with, to be honest. Um, yeah. Worst ever player. Worst ever, that's an easy one, isn't it? There's quite a few now. Yeah, but to, to, pick, to pick the worst seems to be everybody's struggle. Um, I don't think Wimmer's as bad as what people make out because I think Wimmer. Was jo- he joined us at a bad time when we were struggling? He joined us for a massive fee, and and he was just he just didn't do a crap, did he? Um, oh yeah, what a question. Well, what I hate when it was because he went on Instagram straight after when we lost to Tottenham, and he was like being really like he was having like last you know he was having jokes of like his former teammates at Tottenham. That's why I hate when they. But I think in terms of like how good he is, I don't think we know because he joined us at a, at a time when we were crap. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. He's not worth eighteen million. Like Tottenham have definitely done his better. Yeah. But uh, you know, I don't think he, he could be the worst player in the world. He's just for me, he's probably got the worst attitude. Um, but worst player, <laughs> um, that player, like worst footballer. Yeah, well, like worst player. So, I mean, there's been a few. I mean, we've got. There's one I didn't know. Somebody Clark, Steve Clark, who Anne Smith put forward. Um, Ben put Michael Ben Rowley off YY. He put uh, Michael yeah. Kitely in as his worst. Uh, mine, oh, yeah. mine's Brian Smalls. Before your time, he was terrible. When Brian Little was manager, caught the apparently yeah. he was the next Dennis Stewin. Couldn't couldn't brace his boots and couldn't even get in the non-league team. Um, so it's it's like who do you think's your worst? Who's the one that you think? Oh God! Like Kevin Vimmer's but I already had a mention. He he was he's had a mention as well. Kevin Vimmer. But yeah. but it's it's all it's all it's on you. It's up to you really. What what do you what would you class as the worst trait in a player? Oh, well, going back to maybe it's women because going back to what I've seen a player. For me, the main thing I like in a player is character, and women like definitely lacks lacks character. Well, what about Sido? Um, Sido. Yeah, is he on the? Yeah, he's up there, isn't he? He's up there, and Um. Um, I feel sorry for Sider really because um, he had it all that like, he seen into he was injuring Tottenham then um, uh, West Brom blocked his move and then he's just um, he's just um, gone fuck it hasn't he and he's just um, stopped doing all the things that he, he, could, he, he was doing you know obviously um, yeah just I don't feel sorry for him he just gave up yeah, I don't feel sorry for him. I don't feel. I think he he was one of them players that had a, a good couple of seasons, 
thought he was bigger than the universe and then never got rid of that never got rid of that mentality and didn't want to put the work in again to get himself back to that level he just throws his no. throws everything out of the pram and blames everybody else for his own men, for his yeah. own fall basically but is that who you uh, with then Kevin Vimy? no no I'll have a a week through. I know before he came to Stoke, he was a great player at his two previous clubs. But for some reason, when he came to Stoke, it's like he forgot how to play football. Who's this? Darren Fletcher. Darren Fletcher. That's a good shout, Darren Fletcher. Because he was garbage. But before he came to Stoke, he was like, he was different busted, wasn't he? He was mint. Oh yeah, he's, he's always been a good player. Yeah, good hard-working industrial player that will always put a shift in until he comes down. Yeah. I thought like something was going to happen every time he played at Paul's. We're going to have to see it. Yeah, well, not initially the first time, but definitely sort of like the season grew on. I just thought like it was just always an accident waiting to happen. See, that's what I mean. I told you it isn't as easy as you thought. Where's playing? Yeah. <laughs> it isn't as easy as people think. Have you been like a list of decades? Um, I played at our and I was so gutted that he turned out to be a better decade. Do you remember a player called Sammy Bangori? Oh, Sam Bangori, a brilliant player, but again, his head was all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Like, I remember reading the Sentinel once. He didn't, um, uh, he, he, the Sentinel did an interview with him, or uh, wasn't an interview, or was it just Sentinel gathering his names? Anyway, the Sentinel published that um, he didn't want to be a footballer, he wanted to be a basketball player. Like, that football wasn't like, you didn't really like football, you like basketball. Oh, God. I can remember because there's a big hoorah about him because he scored all them goals in a row. And he went to the African Cup yeah. of Nations and it was like a big thing for us at the time. It was quite a big yeah, yeah, season. It was a big season yeah. at the time because the Icelanders tried to push for it and go up. Put us in debt, but the, yeah. at least they had a go. And uh, I can remember they brought in a player who's got a my YYY team, um, Carl Ufkins, a player I've loved. Absolutely I'll loved. Back. Yeah. yeah, I loved Carl Ufkins. Absolutely loved him because he was the first player I'd saw at Stoke who had, a, apart from Hookstreet, who had that little bit of class. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Sam Bangora came at that same time, and I can remember when he, I thought we'd bought the next big thing because he, he scored yeah, and kept scoring and scoring and scoring. I thought, and I think he's got a record at Stoke for the amount of goals per game, like the Vardy record, yeah. and. I just couldn't believe his attitude that he'd rather go to Boa Vista in Portugal than play for Stoke. Yeah. You see, it's quite he ridiculous, went. isn't it? Yeah, and he, like you said, he was a great player. Could have like, played for Stoke for a couple of seasons because he was only 23 or 24. Then a Premier League could have stopped him off of all the goals that he was smashing in. Oh, yeah, easily, yeah. Because he, he was a really good player. He had real yeah. attributes. He was good in the air. But he had good feet on him. He was a good, hard-working player, which a lot of people yeah. laugh at when they say, but he was. He was a good, hard-working player. Never give up. Yeah. And I tell you what, if he'd, if he'd carried on scoring them goals and carried on staying at the club, yes, big things could have happened to him, but he gave up on it. No. Yeah, he's a good yeah. shout as well. So at the moment you're struggling against still, aren't you? So if you is it Darren Fletcher or? No, Darren Fletcher. Because because Bangor was a great player, wasn't he? Yeah, um, yeah, he was. Yeah. But Darren Fletcher went from hero to hero, didn't he? Like went from you know quite a sort of well-respectable sort of Man United play. I'm not just Man United now. 
went one could have the shit now by an Alex Ferguson Man United player yeah he won the uh, Champions League yeah and then uh, West Brom decent he was West Brom's best player yeah but I, I, I can remember a West Ham fan saying to me when I, I was I was talking to one outside when we played him away well, I think no, I'm not sure where I saw him. He might have been on holiday actually. And I was talking to him, and he goes, "Mate, he's finished." I goes, "He's not. He's still a good player." And he goes, "No, Darren Fletcher's finished. We knew that last season, which is why we didn't offer him a new contract." And then Stoke stupidly thought, "We'll give him a go." Yeah, obviously that. They knew his legs were going. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Maybe his legs have gone, so he came to Stoke and just had a couple more years, you know, payouts. Yeah, basically, it was just two more years of paid football and. Get as many appearances as he can before it was time to pack in. That's what he, that's what it was. At the end of the day. Yeah. So Darren Fletcher, good shout. I'll take Darren Fletcher. I mean, it's uh, he's one of them that was a great player, but wasn't for Stoke. Like joins the other list of Michael Owen and Ida Good Johnson. Well, I'm thinking of Michael Owen. Then you said that. I'm good Johnson. Yeah, that's another shout. Yeah, because oh. that's my mates who would do the podcast every week. It's Ida Good Johnson because he got he got he got the shirt and he had the Ida Good Johnson on the back of it, and he said he'd never he, he wanted his money back. Yeah, he did quite a talent, didn't he? Good job, I thought he put on a bit of weight. Yeah, he had done, yeah. I think he went playing in Greece and Stoke decided to give him a contract for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, he looked a bit like John Parkin, didn't he? <laughs> Bill, like, when he Parkin, <laughs> He was a great player for Stoke, though. He was Parkin. Yeah, same. He's one of my favourite players, John Parkin. Yeah, that was decent. Yeah, he's that a nice. good player. Good, good old-fashioned target, man. Oh, God, he had a right foot. He had a right foot on him, I'll give you that. John Parkin. Yeah. Right, so here we go to the next round of questions, right then. So who is the best ever manager? What, in my lifetime? Yeah, who do you think's the best manager? In, in it's got to be, well, I've been a fan, because obviously because sick like Tony Warrington, but I was born in 87, so I can't really check out. Yeah, I was 87, um, yeah. Um, it's got to be few, hasn't it? For me, that's too well, you know, it's got to be. Although Marquis has been up, like, we've been up some top, now, place than with Mark Hughes. Yeah. But, you know, maybe Pugh is still one of the Premier League because what, what, what ultimately what I was arguing is a, a, a sort of broken dressing room where that wouldn't have happened on the Pugh's. No. I think, uh, I think with Mark Hughes, the fact that when he came in as manager, he had a very good spine to work with. He had Hoof, he had Shawcross, he had Wilk. Well, no, Wilco was still around, I think. He had, he had a good yeah. spine. That was left with him, and he just put this flare around it, and he, he, he turned it into a successful side. But then, as soon as Mark Hughes had to build his own spine, it started yeah. to crumble fast because he just couldn't do it. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, so I'm going to say to you, got us to Europe, uh, got us in the Premier League, got us to an FA Cup final, and just you know, right. I didn't mind Pugh, see when we sat him, I just thought like, uh, I, I, I worried I would have employed Mark Hughes to replace him. Um, I'm glad we did, I'm glad we had the nine place finish here, he managed to keep players back in that rich. Um But just purely, so he's, he's a legend, isn't he? Yeah. And, you know, when, when we sat Mark Hughes, you know, I wouldn't have minded week, you know, um, got Pugh's back. Um, I think he would have kept us up, to be honest. He probably would have done, yeah, without, without a question of doubt. Uh, right, so yeah. what is your favourite moment of Tony Pugh's stint? Favourite moment of Tony Pugh's stint? Hmm. Um, oh. There's got to be a few there, aren't there, with Tony Pugh's? Yeah. One thing that always comes out to me, like, with Pugh's, um, was 
Yeah, it was, I think it's the same for a lot of people um, who said that as well. That when you get to that, when you get in a player like Croucher, who was who was a massive star at the time, he does become yeah. an ambassador at the time. Yeah, I think we've heard as well. Like people always thought, "Oh, Shaqiri, he's in Berry and what?" When we signed Croucher, he was still playing for Tottenham. He was only twenty. Well, I think he was only twenty-nine. He was peak for a target man. Only man signing was crazy. Yeah, it was. It was a big, big deal. Right, so we move quickly on to worst ever manager. That's easy. That's the easiest question you've given me. Steve Cottrell. Steve Cottrell. That's he almost yeah. got a second vote before as well. Steve Cottrell. No, I don't like the man. Arrogant man. Thought, thought he was better than everything. In his head, I yeah. think he was a future of Man United manager. In his head. Just by completely He wasn't likable. I know. I know a mate of mine who's met him, and apparently yeah. even his own brother doesn't like him. <laughs> <laughs> so it shows you what kind of man he is, doesn't it? Really. So that was a nice, yeah. sweet one, nice and easy one. Steve Cottrell, he gets a vote. Right. So we we move into basically coming towards its end now. So what do you think of the future of Stoke, and where do you think we're going to go? Um, sort of talking about what you spoke about um, not so long ago. I, I just thought of um, I just hope like. I've got a bit of faith in the coach family. I just, we need to start making better decisions. We need to employ some sort of, we need, we need, we need to think about a, a, a system. We need to put a system in place and a structure within the club that we can flourish. Like, get a decent director of football. And, and, but also, like, I think we're Stoke. There's just no, like, thought, thought about, like, you know, with stuff like identity and stuff like that. I just, there's no, like, big, big plan. He's just chucking a load of money at a problem. So, to answer your question, I don't know. And I think under Michael O'Neill, we will stay up and maybe push for promotion at some point in the next couple of years. Um, I think we can't, we've probably dropped down with Michael O'Neill. Um, I'm quite like Nathan Jones. I just I just think uh, Nathan Jones is a good manager. He's just not stupid or a thinking shit. But uh, Michael O'Neill, you know,
They need they need to modernise, don't they? That's that's the thing I've always said about um, Stoke. Is that, let's be honest, the, the board have been the same since you've been in the Premier League. Nothing's really changed. Yeah. I mean, before you had Cartwright, who was in the job for eleven years. For me, the, the club does need to modernise and and look where it goes. I mean, I keep saying it. I keep saying that they either need to bring a director of football in, or they need to bring a chairman in to run the club properly. I've said this for a long time. Yeah, I have a decent director of football because. You know, we're not even we're not even Premier League, but if you look at some of the clubs in the Championship, the way they do the business, like you know the Brentford, like I'd love to have director of football. Um, but all that, no, you don't even director of football. All them good decisions come from the top, and that's why you know. Again, I don't know enough what happens behind the closed doors and stuff. But for me, the book should stop with you know the owners or the CEO because you know it all it all filters down. Don't you? If you're making better decisions at the top. The bottom will sort itself out, the players, do you know what I mean? Stuff on the pitch will sort itself out, the decisions have been, you know, look at Norwich, I know they're stuck on the Premier League now, but, uh, you know, a couple of seasons ago, they started making better decisions, employing, um, sticking with a manager, employing a decent director of football, and, you know, they're in the Premier League now. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, we'll wrap this up now. I think you've been a fantastic guest. I'm glad you've come on. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, it's nice talking to you, mate. We really, really enjoyed it. Right, cheers for that, mate. Turn up. Cheers, mate. Well, as you'd all agree, another fantastic guest. Uh, Rob from Tunstall there. Um, like I say, like I keep saying, if anybody else wants to be a guest on the show, well, COVID 19's getting on all after, of course, anytime you want to. We're on social media, we're, we're now on everything on uh, social media, Instagram. Everything's there, just at Ian, Ian from Scholar Green or, of course, the Potters Podcast. Uh, so, like I say to you, stay, stay home, stay safe.